We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always go over and check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome. It is good to be back for another Friday edition of the podcast. Great to be here as always. Uh, we I know a couple weeks ago we got a gross comment from Aaron Nagler when we broke down the Vikings, so I cannot wait. And I can't even imagine what he's going to have to say about this week. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to get into who we're breaking down this week in just a minute. We've spent the last couple of weeks diving into a breakdown of all the other NFC North teams and their off-seasons because there's always just another layer of the off-season to peel back and study a little bit closer. And because in just a few months, we are going to want to know as much as possible about the Packers' 2019 opponents. So we're starting with division rivals, and then in a few weeks, we're going to be taking a look at Green Bay's 10 other opponents that they'll face this season. Uh, but two weeks ago, we got started with the Minnesota Vikings, as Andrew mentioned. And then last Friday, we took a look at the Detroit Lions offseason and the moves that they made and where they expect that they are heading into 2019. So if you missed either of those shows, make sure you go back and give those a listen. Uh, but today, 
is all about the Chicago Bears. Uh, we want to take a look at what Chicago has done over the past several months to try to get better after coming off what I think is a pretty impressive season that they had in 2018, if we're being honest. So I'm excited to jump in here and put the Bears under the microscope a little bit. And we have to talk about the most important thing first, Andrew. <laughs> what are your thoughts on these new Chicago Bears alternates, uh, these throwback uniforms that we've seen on Twitter? Ooh, we're talking uniforms. <laughs> I can just see all of the negative comments on Twitter <laughs> when you uh, are talking about fashion statements. But uh, from the neck down, I actually think they're really cool, um, though they sort of look like an Auburn ripoff. Uh, I love those striped socks. That helmet, though, that is hot garbage. <laughs> it looks like the Michigan equipment guy forgot to check his Pantones. <laughs> I, I See, I I completely agree about the helmet. It really does look like a Michigan helmet that's just gone really bad. But where we differ is on the socks. I think the socks look like hot trash. Um, but if I'm being fair, I really like the actual jersey. The stripes on the shoulders I think are really clean, and I really like those. But all in all, there's just too much happening here uh, for my taste with this jersey. I like those socks so much I would call them striped instead of just striped. Oh, striped. Yeah, like, which is a classier way to say striped. Right. And I think they're the bomb. But, you know, to each their own. Right, absolutely. Wrong. No, I mean, we've entered in a whole new realm if we're getting, you know, picky about which terms we're using for stripes and striped. So uh, props to the Bears on attempting uh, these uniforms. We'll see. Well, I'm sure we'll still they're, get. They're still not as gross as the Packers brown helmets tan pants. <laughs> throwback so... jersey. Now, they so don't bad. wear the brown helmets anymore, no. but those tan pants are atrocious. Yeah, they're they're really bad. Um, but let's talk about the Bears' free agency moves this offseason. Uh, the first big move for the Bears this offseason actually came before free agency. In January, the Bears made a move to sign offensive tackle Bobby Massey to a four-year contract. It's actually a four-year contract with basically a fifth-year option. Uh, and it pays an average of $8 million a season. It's not a bad contract for the Bears, and they can get out of it after two seasons if Massey isn't performing as well as they hoped. Uh, 2018 was one of Massey's better years. He graded as Pro Football Focus's 30th best offensive tackle in 2018. So paying $8 million a year for a starting tackle in the NFL and an above average one of that is a pretty good steal. So definitely a good move for the Bears to go ahead and get Massey locked up now. Uh, when free agency arrived a little while later, the Bears did make some moves, uh, but none that really got a lot of attention. Uh, they signed cornerback Buster Screen to a three-year contract. They signed Cordero Patterson to a two-year contract. They also signed uh, former Seattle Seahawks running back Mike Davis to a two-year contract. All those guys will certainly have a role on this team, but I think that's exactly what they are. They're role players. They're not guys that are going to take over a game and just really dominate. Uh, I guess that's my perspective. But uh, the biggest addition that the Bears made, or at least the one that is the most interesting to the Packers and Packers fans, is the addition of HaHa -Ha Clinton Dix. Uh, they signed Clinton Dix to a one-year deal after spending half of his season in 2018 in Green Bay and the other half in Washington after, of course, being traded. And HaHa -Ha continues... Uh, to make a huge impact off the field in Wisconsin. I think we would be remiss to not mention that he continues to make an impact off the field, even after being traded and after becoming a Bear. So he deserves all the respect in the world for the way that he's giving back and making life 
um, about more than just football. But this is a football podcast, and so we're here to talk about what happens on the field. So, Andrew, what are your thoughts on what the Bears are getting in HaHa ha Clinton Dix? This is really embarrassing because I I take great pride in knowing like all of these prospects, guys that go in the seventh round, guys that go undrafted. I've never heard of this particular player, Kyle. <laughs> You've never never heard of him, huh? You're telling me there's a guy in the NFL named Haha? No, it's not a real name. It's clearly not. Oh, I think we're talking about Hashan. Oh, okay. Sean, yes, the former Alabama player. Yeah, yeah, he was a former Packer, of course, and and nobody has any strong opinions about him. But yeah, uh, in in look now that I'm I've clarified which player we're talking about. He's he started (laughs) his career really strongly, and remember how good he was against the Seahawks in that NFC Championship game. I I have no idea what happened in the second half because I stopped watching, so I'm assuming they won that game and then went on to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. But Clinton Dix was great that day. Uh, He he was just all over the place. He was catching balls. He had no right catching. He was making all the plays. But really, like the wheels kind of fell off of his career at the end of 2017, and I attributed that to being the first time that he had ever been in a losing team. So I assumed... He's going to bounce back. He's going to have a big season. But he showed an incredible lack of effort. And he took some of the worst angles I have ever seen from a safety. And he really just seemed afraid of contact at times. And Washington fans were all over Green Bay Twitter. And they said that they were going to get a great player. And he was going to make all this difference. And what a bargain they got for a fourth-round pick. Well, I, I don't know. He seemed to be the only difference between Washington's defense early in the season and late in the season. And their defense went from really good to pretty bad. And the idea was that, you know, maybe after he gets a second contract, his play would return to what we saw in those first couple of years. But do you really think he's going to be more impactful playing on a one-year prove-it deal? Yeah, that's what's interesting to me is because that's essentially what he was on this past year in Green Bay. That's how it started out. He had a year to prove that he deserved to be re-signed and to be a part of this team in the future. And so it will be interesting to see how that manifests in Chicago because that is the idea. He has one year to prove that he is the valuable player that uh, he has been at times on the field. So we will see how that turns out. But it is no secret that I was a big HaHa Clinton Dix fan, Hashan. Uh, when he when he was coming out of Alabama, uh, loved him there, thought he was a great pick when the Packers made it. So uh, wish him all the best. But I do think the Packers made a great move by moving on here. And so we'll see. Uh, but the Bears have made some really, really big statements about hot Clinton Dick, saying that they actually think he's one of the best safeties in the game and they frequently actually had him graded higher than adrian amos this is what they're saying and i know that you know everyone is entitled to their opinion but even apart from what you think of the hot the play of haha clinton Dix and adrian amos i don't know if i've ever seen an organization be so disrespectful to one of their former players like the bears have disrespected adrian amos for years he was really good he was a really good starting safety for them who played with smarts who did his job and who by all accounts elevated the play of the guys around him you hear that consistently from his coaches and from guys who play with them and so i find it really strange that the bears organization feels the need to come out and say that they feel like they got a better player in clinton Dix than what they had in amos especially because the tail of the tape and the tail of the paycheck suggests something very different so that said i do think haha will have a better 
2019 than he did in 2018. I think playing next to someone like Eddie Jackson will really elevate his play. And I think HaHa coming downhill and playing more in the box, I think I like him there better. I think, you know, he's always kind of had that free safety mold, but other than his tackling, which is the issue when you're a box safety, um, I do think he was better when he was coming downhill. So I think the role that he'll play in Chicago will suit him and will give him the platform that he needs to rebound and have a better career. Uh, but we'll see how that actually turns out this year, I guess. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to throw in, even though I will uh, never compliment my brother in my life, <laughs> um, I do feel I have to give him credit for for pointing this out to me. If you want to play a fun game and you're watching a game where HaHa Clinton Dix is playing, watch how many times the play is made. So like the, the tackle is about to be completed or the player is already on the ground where HaHa Clinton Dix will come jogging into the play and kind of like tap him down or like help his <laughs> teammates out. Like he's never around the ball close enough to actually make that. And and then, you know, you get to laugh at some of the embarrassing plays he makes in the open field. But that being said, I don't want to get trashed because he is a great guy in the community. Like just truly one of the, the better people off the field in the NFL. But his play doesn't justify anywhere near how excited people are getting about his, his uh, play on the field. No. And I mean, we've seen that at times and that's the, the frustrating thing is like, we've seen him do it. And the consistency is the part that's really, really frustrating. And the, the plays where he does just kind of jog into the window of the, of the camera at the end, and you're like, where were you a couple minutes ago when this actually mattered? But uh, you know, wish him all the best. Uh, hopefully he does have a rebounded career there. Uh, just not, I guess, just, not, just not in week one. No, nah, not in week one. And maybe not in Chicago. He can go sign somewhere else after that one-year deal and then just have a fantastic career. But, uh, well, the Bears did make some additions. They also lost quite a few pieces this offseason. We already talked about Adrian Amos. And Amos is a huge addition for the Packers. And consequently, consequently there's the word, a huge loss for the Bears defense. And the Bears defense also lost cornerback Bryce Callahan, who followed Vic Fangio to the Denver Broncos. And I'm not sure that the Bears' biggest loss of the offseason was actually a player because the loss of Vic Fangio is absolutely huge. And I don't think fans fully appreciate how well he coached this Bears defense. And I think it's going to take some time for a new defensive coordinator, um, Chuck Pagano, to come in and fill the holes left by Amos and Callahan and try to get this defensive unit back to where they were in 2018. So the Bears lost some big players in free agency, um, but they... You know, they, they chose to move on from some others, not not just because other teams signed them. First, they chose to move on from Cody Parker and uh, Cody Parkey, my bad. Um, and after the double doink incident of 2018, there's possibly nothing that was more expected uh, than to move on from Parkey. And so uh, the Bears are exploring other options at kicker. Uh, but in even more of a surprising and puzzling move to me, the Bears traded running back Jordan Howard to the Eagles for a conditional sixth round pick. And for me, it wasn't so shocking that the Bears moved on from Howard. It was just how surprised I was just so surprised how little they actually got for him. I found it odd that Chicago thought so little of Howard that they would rather have a sixth round selection, a conditional sixth round selection uh, than have Howard on their team. But the Bears and Coach Nagy obviously wanted to go in a different direction uh, at running back. And I think Andrew's going to talk a little bit about what they did to go in a different direction once they got to the draft. So let's get into that a little bit. Let's move on from free agency and let's look at their draft class a little bit. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, 
kind of interesting because the Bears certainly didn't have a lot of draft capital coming in. Um, and they actually moved up in the third round, which was surprising. So they knew that they were going to be picking until the third third round, and they had pick 87, and they decided to make a move up um, and traded some of their assets to uh, move up to pick 73 and draft running back David Montgomery out of Iowa State. And I really like him as a player. But this pick was confusing for a multitude of reasons. Num- number one, you just talked about it. The Bears dumped Jordan Howard before the draft. And so now they're going to rely on a rookie to replace his production. And Howard is an important part of the Chicago offense in 2018. So, you know, expecting a rookie to just jump in and, and be as impactful as that, uh, it, that's a little surprising to me. Uh, number two, they traded up to take a running back when there was still a ton of value in the position. And I think Montgomery is going to be a good pro, but for a team that had such few draft assets, I thought they would have been a little bit better off keeping Howard or maybe sticking and picking at 87. Um, So that, that was curious Um, in the fourth round at pick 126, they got an absolute steal with wide receiver Riley Ridley of Georgia, who is Kelvin Ridley's younger brother. Um, and I really thought he was a second or third round player. I kind of understand why he slid the late fourth round because he's a very average athlete. But if you like players who run fantastic routes and catch everything, then Riley Ridley fits your bill. Um, adding Ridley to Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, and Anthony Miller is going to give Chicago a really good receiving core for the foreseeable future. And I think if Mitch Trubisky is going to succeed as a pro, it will be predicated on getting him good receivers who are exactly where they need to be and can make contested catches. So Ridley checks all of those boxes and it was sad for me to see him go to a division rival. Uh, the bears didn't then pick again until the sixth round because of that trade up for Montgomery. Um, and there they took cornerback Duke Shelley out of Kansas state. He has the makeup of being a really good slot corner in the NFL uh, certainly he's undersized, but is strong in both man and zone. I am not a fan of Buster Screen, and I think Shelley will give him a run for his money for that starting slot position. Um, he, I, along with Ridley, probably my two favorite picks that they had. Um, granted, very limited yeah. <laughs> players to choose from because they only drafted five. Um, in the seventh round, they took a running back, Kareth White. Uh, junior out of Florida Atlantic and he has some kick return skills. He has very little tread on his tires because he was actually a college backup uh, to Devin Singletary, another guy who got drafted this year. Um, However, he's blocked by Cordero Patterson for returning and by David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, and then the aforementioned Mike Davis at running back. So I know seventh rounders aren't that important, but I'm not sure there's any path outside of an injury where he's going to find his way under the active roster. So Having so few picks, you'd think they would, you know, take somebody at a position where they, they might need to fill in. Um, and then with their last seventh round pick, they got cornerback Steven Denmark. Maybe it's Stefan Denmark. I'm not really sure. I don't know. <laughs> uh, out of Vel- Veldosta State. Veldosta State. Man, I'm having trouble with pronunciation on this one. Um, he, he is a 6'3", 220-pound wide receiver convert who has 4'4'6 speed. So, toolsy, right? He really hasn't shown he knows what it he's going to be doing in coverage, but he is a super intriguing athlete, um, and he could really develop into a good player. However, 
players like him don't typically last on practice squads if they perform well in the preseason, and it seems like a near impossible task for him to make it at cornerback. So again, that's a project kind of thing. Maybe it'll work out for him. Maybe he'll be out of the league in a year. But um, for me, this was sort of a Madden-like draft class. Uh, Chicago didn't take a single player in the trenches. They got uh, undrafted rookie guard Alex Bars from Notre Dame, who could be good, but he has major health concerns. I thought they needed better depth at O-line and really failed to address that at any point in the draft. There's also a different way to think about having such a small draft class, of course, um, and that is that essentially they took Khalil Mack with their first-round pick, um, and their second was basically uh, wide receiver Anthony Miller from last year. And Mac wrecked the NFL last season. And Anthony Miller is a young player who's going to be heavily predicted to have a major breakout season in 2019. However, in the NFL, you still have to find a way to get cheap young talent on a roster. Or maybe, you know, your reign at the top might come crashing down pretty quickly if you don't do that. So we've seen that from, from multiple teams who didn't have draft assets or who... Um, failed to hit on those, and they went from a top-notch team to middle of the pack or lower really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you always hear about teams wanting to take the best player available, but then you hear the caveat to that, that you want to take best player available at a position of need. And it certainly seems like the Bears just kind of threw out the second part of that, and they kind of stacked guys behind other guys that are really, like Andrew said, going to have a really hard time finding the field just because of the other guys who are on this on this team. But sixth and seventh round picks are basically shots in the dark. And outside of a sixth and two seventh round selections, the Bears' only additions were David Montgomery and Riley Ridley. And, well, I like both of those players. They're not guys who are going to step in and be game changers just because of the way the roster stacked. Maybe Montgomery will have more of an impact than I think, but it's really hard for me to imagine Montgomery coming in and being an upgrade over Howard. So that's kind of a real head-scratcher to me that they went that route in building this roster. And then Riley Ridley has a ton of upside. I really liked him, just like Andrew said. But he's got a tough path to being anything more than a fourth or fifth wide receiver on this team. You've got Allen Robinson, who's going to be at the top of the depth chart. Taylor Gabriel and then Anthony Miller, who was already mentioned, will battle for those wide receiver two targets. Trey Burton isn't a receiver, but he's going to eat into the targets. And so you know, and then the Bears signed Cordero Patterson as well. So it's hard for me to really see Ridley getting many looks at all in his first couple of seasons even. So we'll see how this shakes out and how this draft class is able to impact this team, if much at all. But uh, we've taken a look at free agency. We've looked at the draft. Let's go ahead and make some judgment calls here. Andrew, what do we think? Did the Bears get better or did they get worse over the course of this 2019 offseason? Yeah, that, that's a tough one for me. I, I thought the Bears were ahead of every other team in the NFC North and had the potential for some really important player development that would make them even better, uh, even without you know a lot of cap space and without that draft capital. There's some players on that team that can grow and make them you know a, a, an even more legitimate contender out of the NFC this year. Um, but if you look at what they did, they got worse at safety, no matter what their GM wants to say. Uh, they got worse at slot corner because Bryce Callahan was a stud in the slot last year. They got worse at running back. Um, Jordan Howard, you know, we, I feel like we're harping on this, but he's going to be missed more than what people think. But you said this. You, you kind of stole my thunder here. The key <laughs> offseason loss was Vic Fangio. I, oh, I like yeah. Chuck Pagano. I do. 
um, or as my friend would say, Chuck Pagano. Um, <laughs> but Fangio is on a different level against other deep NFL defensive coordinators when you compare the two. So that's a step back. Um, they did get better at returner. They probably improved at wide receiver, um, and they should see improvement from Mitch Trubisky. But really, the team is only going to go as far as Trubisky is going to take them. You can't count on the kind of injury-free team they had last year. You can't count on elite defenses always staying that way. Like, for instance, the 2018 Jaguars. Uh, And you can't count on your play caller gimmicking your way to the Super Bowl. At some point, Trubisky has to lead this team in order for them to take the next step. And I have absolutely no idea if he's capable of doing that. But I do greatly look forward to having them to pay him crazy money and gutting the depth this team currently possesses. All right, so I'm I'm doing a Google search right now in the middle of our podcast, Andrew. I hope that's okay. Yeah, uh, go for it. I'm trying to find out how old Vic Fangio is. Here we go. 60 years old on the dot. So there's a trend in the NFL that everybody wants the next young coach. Everybody wants to find, you know, the next guy who's going to be the coach of their team for the next 20 years and is super innovative and, you know, young and connects with the players. And so I just think it's really interesting that Vic Fangio is 60 years old. There's a reason that the Denver Broncos decided to hire a 60-year-old coach, and it's because he's really, really dang good at what he does. And so I think that that speaks volumes about him as a coach and really about what the what the Bears are going to be missing out on this year. Uh, and so I, I just think that that's worth noting, that that is a trend that the Broncos toss to the side to say, we're going to get this coach who's really, really good at what he does. But in our last couple of episodes, we've said that the Vikings and the Lions both made key additions that kept them at least on par with where they were in 2018, if not maybe a little bit in better shape than they were last season. But the Bears are the one team that I feel pretty confident saying did not get better this offseason. And Andrew mentioned Mitch Trubisky, and if Trubisky is able to make a big jump, then all bets are off, and that would just be huge for this team. But as far as personnel that this team added and lost, it's hard for me to see how anyone... It's just really hard for me to see how anyone that they added made them that much better than they were last year. I think they lost more than they gained. And I completely agree. Like we said, Vic Fangio is this huge, huge loss. And as Andrew said, I I just think that that's going to be something that's really, really hard for them to get over. And pieces like Bryce Callahan and Adrian Amos are pieces that are really, really difficult to replace. And really good defensive coordinators can replace them. But I'm not sure that Chuck Pagano is going to be able to step in in the same way that a Vic Fangio would be. And I think we'll see some of that fall off and we'll see that take place this year. So I would say of all the teams in the NFC North, the Chicago Bears are the one that I think has a chance to take a slight step back uh, this year, even though I do think that they still have a very superior roster to most teams in this division. Yeah, and one of the things that, that'll be very interesting to watch going forward is when the Bears do finally have to pay Mitch Trubisky, and that's coming up really quickly, um, how that is going to impact the rest of the roster. Because what we've seen in the NFL, there's really two methods to success, right? There's the build a great defense, have a quarterback on a rookie contract, ride them to a Super Bowl, um, or maybe you know, almost to like the Seahawks did with Russell Wilson. But once you have to pay that guy, suddenly the rest of your team starts to fall apart very quickly. And we, the Seahawks are the model for this, 
Russell Wilson isn't an elite quarterback. He's probably right below that upper echelon. But now that he's getting paid and the depth on that team gets dinged and damaged, and then you see some of their better players start to get a little bit older and they can't replace them, the roster gets really weak really fast. And they haven't, even though the Seahawks have sort of managed that better than most teams have in their situation, they still haven't been able to kind of ascend to the point where they were when Wilson was on his rookie contract. So I think that's what the Bears are facing. They're certainly hoping that Trubisky sort of turns into the next Rodgers, Brady, Breeze kind of quarterback. But, I mean, it doesn't look super promising at this point. Um, He looks more like maybe his ceiling is kind of in that Russell Wilson category, and he could be a lot worse than that. So we don't know. Bears fans certainly don't know. Uh, we'll just have to kind of wait and see on that. Um, but the Packers do travel to Chicago, to Chicago to kick off week one in the NFL. They also host the Bears in week 15. The Bears get to be the standard bearer for the NFC North until proven otherwise. But a Packers win in week one would certainly change the whole outlook on this 2019 season. Uh, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jake and Mark. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. And we're going to be back next week with a review of the Packers' first three non-divisional opponents for next season. That is the Broncos, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... From the 16 of New York, first down, goal to go. Rodgers in the shotgun, Williams to his left, here's the snap. Rodgers clean pocket, throws the middle of the end. And it's the dagger! They beat Morris Playboard to the back line of the end zone, the Packers have won it! Snap to Wild. And the rookie recovers in the end zone in a Lambeau lead to the north end zone stand. The Packers have a 6 nothing lead. Pepper on third down of three in the shotgun. Packers showing a blitz and here they come. Pepper looking. Hit as he throws it. Deep down the right sideline. And intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Snap to Rodgers looking right. Throws the right side. See Brown makes the catch. Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all 6'5 of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds. Inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Hunter Bradley the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good! It is good! Mason Crosby delivers the dagger! One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight! Third and five, 13-yard line of Atlanta. Snap, Ryan, looks right, close, right side. Intercepted to the house, Bishop Greenland. Touchdown, Green Bay Packers. 19-yard interception return, and it's 16-7, Packers. Rodgers looks it over, takes the snap, blitz on, they pick it up. Lost they got him, they got him. Touchdown, 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 touchdown.
behind Aaron Rodgers. He ducks it under center. From the 29 in Green Bay, and here is a handoff up the middle. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.